Welcome to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Kate Moore Youssef, your host, and if you've arrived here, there must be a reason. I'm guessing you're curious to learn more about improving your wellbeing alongside ADHD, or maybe looking for some advice or guidance to feel healthier and calmer. So, why start this podcast? I'm a wellbeing and lifestyle coach, EFT practitioner, mum to four kids, and I discovered my own ADHD alongside one of my daughters at the age of 40. And now, after supporting many other women just like me, and probably you, I feel there's a need for more emphasis on well-being and lifestyle help for women with ADHD. And through the podcast, I want to offer you new insights and perspectives to enable you to live your most fulfilled, calm and balanced life. So wherever you are on your ADHD journey, my aim is to support you in finding the awareness and the most aligned tools to enhance your well-being so you can make the most intentional mindset and lifestyle choices moving forwards. Ready to get started? Here's the episode. So hi everyone, welcome back to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast and today we have Brooke Schnittman. Now, Brooke is coaching with Brooke on Instagram. You may have seen her. Um, She is based in Florida. And Brooke runs a coaching business, but is also a coach herself who helps people age eight to 80, I love this, lead an empowered life by providing them with tools and accountability. And that is 100% the ethos of this podcast as well. You know, I love empowering people with lots of tools and new insights and ideas. And I know you have a lot of them, Brooke. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Kate. It's been a pleasure to meet you and be on here today. So Brooke, I know that you were diagnosed at the age of 35. So it's nearly sort of four years, three and a half years now that you've had this diagnosis. I'd love to know what was life like before coaching with Brooke? What was life like before you had your ADHD diagnosis? And I guess what led you to get the diagnosis and move into this space yourself? Sure. So to the outside world, I was successful. Um, I came from New York, good family, uh, family of educators, had a lot of leadership roles. I was, I graduated from NYU in 2007 with uh, students with disabilities. I was a special education teacher for seven years. I was in uh, special education administration for four years. But during that time, I never, I always wanted to move up in the ranks. I always wanted more. And once I got into administration in the school system, I felt like I wasn't totally fulfilled and I wasn't sure what it was that I needed. So I actually decided to quit my job and I had that golden handcuff in my job because I was tenured, I had great um, health insurance, I had a great salary, all of that. And my family was moving to Florida. So I ended up selling my place in New York, coming to Florida, taking a big leap of faith and not really having a plan. Didn't know I had ADHD at the time, even though I was working with individuals with ADHD for at that time, like 12 years. Ironically, went back into the same type of roles in Florida because I wasn't sure what I wanted at the time. And then someone told me about coaching and I ended up getting into a coaching program and I just kept following that coaching program for about a year. And it was then the first time that I realized, you know, how I was showing up for myself, how I was showing up for other people, 
um, you know, how to execute big projects and really push myself to a point that I haven't pushed myself before and be consistent towards actions, towards that goal. And I loved it. And at that same time, I'm, I met someone in South Florida who was an ADHD coach too, and she saw what I was looking for. And she said, you would be great at this. She had a similar background to me from New York, special education background. And I said, oh my God, sign me up. <laughs> so not knowing I had ADHD at the time, while being in this coaching program, while working um, in South Florida as um, a director of a school in sales and marketing and special education, I decided to go for my coaching certifications and literally started my business overnight, jumped into it, started a website, all that, didn't have a business plan. And I was going to give myself six months and I absolutely loved it. And the first year I started working with students, but also adults. And I loved working with adults. And what I didn't know at the time was I loved working with adults because they reminded me so much of me. And after about a year into it, working online with individuals with ADHD who were adults, I realized at that point I had so many similarities as them. So I figured out that I probably had ADHD. I got a diagnosis and I have ADHD combined type and it's great that I know it now. Um, I feel like it makes sense because mm -hmm. the tools, the accountability that I needed, I was providing for my clients. And I kind of figured it out along the way and created systems for my life, like a manual for my life and helped other people create systems for their life. And now here we are in the business for four years and, um, have helped thousands of individuals with ADHD who've been coached through our company and impacted over 10,000 and influenced over a million. So it's been really powerful. Wow. I mean, that's such an interesting story, isn't it? I mean, it's like sort of lying there in right under right. your nose. But I think so many of us have, um, we, we, we're sort of drawn and or magnetized to our tribe, to our people, and we're all there sort of undiagnosed. And we are then, you know, this is just the way it's gone with women with ADHD, that we're just only getting the, this, this validation, this medical acknowledgement that there's something been going on for all our lives. But I just think so many women, I know for myself that I am drawn to other women like me. I'm drawn to working with other women like me. And I was doing something very similar. I was coaching, but just using descriptive words for people like me but who were probably all undiagnosed ADHD as well. So it just allows us to have um, maybe just a, an easier umbrella. But I just have such a problem with the term ADHD because it's so um, limiting because it doesn't really it's say what it does on the tin at all. It's like the opposite. It's kind of like giving us this this descriptive label. That we have a disorder Actually, of attention, which and, and that you have yeah. to be hyperactive, but it's not any of that. <laughs> yeah. And I, I always say this, that hopefully within time it will change and we're able to feel more of a connection to the description of what it is. You know, even this neurodiversity 
it still feels a bit too wide off the mark because it's just sort of like throwing everyone in one pot. Um, and I think specifically, even with women with ADHD, so many of us are different. So many have, you know, different strengths, different challenges. Uh, and I wonder... It's you know, an invisible disorder, right? We don't know. You can't look at yeah. someone and say, oh, you look like you have ADHD. Yeah. It's interesting from your background of working in special education and where you said that you had developed systems because of the privilege, I guess, of your education sure. and the privilege of your upbringing. And, you know, I have it as well where we have grown up perhaps with more awareness and more accessibility to resources and help and support. And it's that the people that don't have this privilege of understanding themselves or being able to Deep, take a deeper dive yes and the adhd is there in in just so many negative capacities we've they've not been able to harness it and not been able to kind of scratch the surface and i wonder if you're able to speak to some of the women who are recognizing that it, it was never even a conversation there was never anything there like it was just it's almost like hit them like out of the blue adhd and what they can now do to help themselves. They're getting this, uh, maybe they're waiting for an, um, a diagnosis here in the UK. We've got to wait a really long time if we want to get it on the NHS. Yeah. There's this limbo of maybe now understanding ourselves, they're doing a lot of research, they're listening to podcasts, and then they are waiting. So there's women sort of just thinking, is this really me? Am I, you know, am I making this all up? There's like imposter syndrome. But what, What's happening with you when people come to you? How? What is this process of women finally having an insight into who they really are? And what is the process that you take them through of being able to have more acceptance and and maybe sort of bring out all the, the good and all the strengths so they can thrive, like you say, and and have these um, and be empowered by new tools. What, what's the process that you start with? Sure. So I want to just recognize how unfortunate that is. And because the diagnoses are becoming, people are becoming more aware of themselves. Yes, the diagnoses have gone up. There's still a lot of people who are not diagnosed, like you said. And... Um, <sighs> I, I, I get this sense of urgency from people because they finally, like you said, they just, they want to, they want to understand. They want to be accepted by the community, by themselves. This is what I'm seeing. It's like, oh, I can, I can hold on to something and say, that's why all this time I was X, Y, Z. It wasn't because I was lazy it wasn't because I um, didn't try. It's because of my ADHD. And I want to understand that. I want to first say that I have it and understand a little bit more about it and then be able to uncover that, like the, on, the layers of an onion, right? And really just completely go deeper. And then from there, figuring out consolidated tools for that type of person. So um, I wanna recognize all the people out there who have not been diagnosed yet, and I, and I understand people um, really latching on to the fact that they wanna be understood. But if, even if you don't have a diagnosis yet and you're waiting a year or two, you know, you can still get the help 
based on your symptoms. And like, you might not be able to get medication, but you can get coaching, you can get therapy to treat the symptoms. And with our coaching, what we do is we really tease out what is going on to provide a unique solution for each person. We do have a process, but we wanna know how your ADHD or undiagnosed ADHD is impacting you currently and why right now you're looking for a coach. What has happened, what has occurred that you decided at this point, I need coaching, I need help. Have you been through some sort of transition in work, your relationships? Are you just wanting to get more information? Then from there, um, we want to understand what you're looking for. Like, what is the solution that you would like in your life? And then we figure out the roadmap to get there. We have our signature process. It's called 3C Activation. And all of our coaches implement that into our coaching with adults, specifically um, with women. And we start with understanding the ADHD, the chaos the ADHD has brought into the person's life, um, unwrapping that, really getting rid of those negative habits and actions that we have brought into our life this whole time. And we didn't even realize that it's been accumulating over time, those negative thoughts And then while we're getting rid of those, we're just slowly bringing in small, positive action changes, small. And while that's happening, the person's typically seeing a shift. They're understanding their values. They're understanding their strengths. They're understanding how they're showing up for people. They're evaluating all the areas of their life. They're understanding their motivation towards doing things for the first time. And likely at that point, they'll realize what they came for coaching for is different now after those first four weeks. They thought that they needed X, and then after four weeks, and after they understand themselves, and after they actually can dig themselves out of that hole that we've, you know, that we all have created for ourselves at some point, and can finally breathe again, then we're like, oh, wait a second, I can see clearer now, and let me focus on this instead of that. And from there, you have the mental capacity, you have the physical strength to be able to start creating action steps towards that, bigger action steps. And at that point, then we work on your time management, your time blindness, your organization, procrastination, prioritization, um, and still slowly build on those habit changes, those actions, so we're habit stacking. And then those last four weeks, um, so the third month, We're talking about how to delegate having uncomfortable conversations you've been avoiding either with yourself or with other people, and then really brainstorming where you want to be after those three months. What's your next move? What's your next goal? How do you expand upon all of the greatness that you've uncovered for yourself and that you've created for yourself? So this way you can get to like this bigger thing that you never thought was possible in three months ago. So that's our 3C activation process. The C's are control, consistency, and confidence. So the control of the ADHD, consistency on your habits and actions, and then ultimately it leads to greater confidence in your life and in yourself, so. It sounds really powerful. And, you know, I just think coaching is one of the most brilliant things we can gift ourselves, you know, ADHD or not. But for people with ADHD, 
I genuinely think it's the most powerful thing because I, I'm a I'm pro medication. I think it's fantastic, but it's very often the band aid where we get it helps us get from A to Z. But if we choose not to have medication, it's not doesn't agree with us. It's the coaching that can help us dig beyond those beliefs, dig beyond you know what you were talking about at the beginning. It's like the chaos that has probably surrounded us all all our lives, whether that's the financial, maybe it's the emotional dysregulation, maybe it's our well-being, our health, our mental health, so many different ways, you know, even just friendships, our relationships. So it's being able to kind of like dig past that and see, okay, what, what was my undiagnosed ADHD? What didn't I have control over? What was old beliefs? What was my old conditioning? What was like my family like? And the dysfunction maybe from other undiagnosed family members. And then being able to sort of see ourselves like truthfully, that authentic self yes. um, past all the things that we believe. And that's why I genuinely think that coaching is is probably the most powerful thing for ADHD. Absolutely, for everyone. Yes, I agree like with therapy. Yeah, 100%. So you, you talk about sort of the executive function side with the um, procrastination and, you know, getting things done and delegation and, and everything. But I'm a huge believer that the emotional regulation side of ADHD also can be probably the most challenging or if not you know one of the most challenging areas something that we've probably held a lot of shame about especially when we're grown adults and our anger goes from like zero to 60 our irritability our frustration especially as women where we're told that we shouldn't be letting out our emotions as freely as we are and also as parents you know we want to be the calm parents we want to be able to help our kids and then this emotional dysregulation gets in the yes. way is that something that you help your clients with as well yes i totally agree with you we do we have um a new course that we launched um it's an eight-week course but it's done live in a group setting up to eight members and it's called healing adhd through emotional regulation work and it's been super powerful because like you said there is that fear and that shame surrounding how we think we're supposed to show up and that causes so much cognitive overload and depression and anxiety and stress and it kind of wraps also into people feeling like they have to perform they have to be productive all the time and i just had a call with uh one of my clients yesterday who was saying i don't feel like like, I just can't align with the actions that I'm supposed to take right now for like launching my podcast, ironically. And I was like, so don't do it today. The more you try to force yourself to do it, you're not going to be able to do it. <laughs> and it sounds like there's a lot of shame there where you feel like you have to do it, but you don't have the dopamine for it. You can't connect with why you're doing it. And you're attached to the outcome too much. So right now we need to get yourself in a better state of mind and understand how to break this down and understand how to connect with your motivation and understand how to connect with that fear that you're attached to right now. Like that perfection piece of getting this done exactly the way it has to be, but like no one even knows what that is. So 
that is aligned with this person's emotional regulation where they have some unsolved baggage from the past where they feel like they have to mask a lot of their symptoms and they have to be perfect and they have to be perfect before they launch and they um, also can't deal with their uh, executive functions to get there. So we all have days where we're just going to feel that way and understanding the way our brain works and understanding how certain things can relate to our executive functions and understanding we have low dopamine days and understanding sometimes things are just a story that we're telling ourselves and it's not fact and understanding how to get to a space where we feel more confident and comfortable in our actions before we produce and not having to have this all or nothing type of mindset, um, having that growth mindset. And just because something didn't happen the way that you wanted doesn't mean that it's not going to happen down the road. So all of those things are super important when you're trying to be quote unquote productive, like so many people come to us for. So if you're not healing that emotional regulation piece, then you're not going to produce. Yeah, I mean, that's really powerful, isn't it? Because it's just what you were explaining then is so exhausting. And that's all going on in our head. You know, we want to launch something, we want to be productive. And then there's this narrative going on in our head about, you know, the perfectionism and what will people think? And then we've got the RSD and we've got, um, you know, all the stories and the beliefs and all the things that we've just been harboring inside us. And no, no, no one else knows what's going on. And I always say this to, to my clients is like, it's exhausting living with ADHD. And that is why emotional regulation can feel sort of like some some days, um, you know, worse than others, because depends what we're holding inside of us. And I have this, you know, very often if I'm in my head, and someone will walk in the room, and I'll just won't hear them and they'll go, mum. And they go, mum. And I go, what? <laughs> and I'll just like scream. Right. Because they're just trying to get my attention but I'm so like in my head thinking about all the what ifs yes. and all the scenarios and all the anxiety and um, it could be to do with my business it can be to do with my kids it could be to to do with a holiday and I'm just thinking about all the what ifs and all the scenarios and all the hypervigilance that we have to recognize as part of ADHD and which is why when we actually get down to doing something that we 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 do want to do that we do have motivation for sometimes it can just be this all or nothing it's like well if I can't give it all my all then, then what's, what's the point, the point? Exactly. and then it's that impacts our self-esteem and it impacts our self-belief and and that's why I just want to be able to recognize that if you are feeling exhausted and you are mentally drained just to be able to recognize yes. what goes on with ADHD. And, and again, so it's this okay. Is not, yeah, it's not part of the label. This is not part of what people think ADHD is about. If you are currently feeling overwhelmed, join the club. So many of us are, including myself. So for that reason, I wanted to organize one last workshop for 2022. And this will be on... Friday the 9th of December at 2pm UK time and it'll be teaching you some easy EFT and tapping tips for ADHD overwhelm. Now I know so many of you message me asking me some you know tools and techniques to self-regulate and feel calm in stressful situations and I believe EFT is um, one of the most effective tools I have at my disposal so I want to share with you how I use EFT and tapping to calm and to regulate when I'm feeling overwhelmed. 
So perhaps you are looking for these tools for yourself or maybe for any of your children, or you want to feel more empowered and in control of your emotions in stressful situations. And I promise you this one hour workshop will teach you um, easy to remember tapping techniques to help you when you are feeling overwhelmed and dysregulated, especially over the busy holiday period. So if you are interested, I've got all the details on my website, which is adhdwomenswellbeing.co.uk or head to the show notes of today's episode and all the details will be on there. I really hope to see you there for our last session of 2022. Now back to this week's episode. What was for you when you started getting the red flags for ADHD? When I know obviously you were recognising there was a tribe there that you were affiliated But what for you historically did you start noticing, you know, throughout your life where the ADHD might have shown up? Yes. So I was bullied starting in fourth grade all the way through um, my professional life, believe it or not. And um, part of it was my fault. You know, certain situations that I was putting myself in, oversharing, um, trying to be friends with people that, you know, didn't accept me. And I think that definitely had to play into my ADHD for sure. And I also, growing up, you know, was diagnosed with general anxiety disorder. So I did see a therapist and um, it was helpful for some time. But after a while, I started feeling more anxious when I was leaving the sessions because it was bringing up all of these things that I was experiencing and feeling that I felt like I buried down inside of me. But there was no way of executing how to like get over it or, you know, here's a tool um, to get yourself to somewhere else, right? So I would leave more anxious. And then, you know, there were times I know where there were deadlines for things um, and someone was like, okay, do you have this thing? And I'm like, oh my gosh. And then I would scramble and try to get people together to help me to finish this thing. I remember that happened in childhood. Like I had a project, I think that was due in elementary school. And I, my mom was like running me to um, where my dad, my dad owned a school in a camp growing up. And um, she ran me to the office to make like photocopies and do this and that last minute so and this is no fault to my parents or my teachers but they acted as my executive functions growing up and i'm realizing that now and it's so fascinating that i remember in college my last year of college i was in undergrad for general education my last year of college, I would hyper-focus. I would stay up till 11 at night because I was so interested in the classes that I was taking. I was student teaching. I was doing the things that I loved. So I would just, like, I gave it my all and I did my best my senior year of college because I was interested. And then when I went to grad school, I gave it my all too because it was relevant to me and I could apply these things. So. I see like the up and downs, the hyper-focus, the hypo-focus, the bullying, the anxiety, how that all played in. And um, that's why it is so important if your child has ADHD to get the help 
that they need now. Um, of course, only if they're willing to accept the help, but there can be years that are, I guess, I don't want to use the word saved, but years of systems and understanding that can help them without having to experience so much trauma. And the trauma is what really impacts our emotional regulation as adults too. Yeah. It's so sad. Like I'm just thinking about you as a kid and I, there's certain elements of that I was really resonating with, with especially the executive functioning side at, at school, for sure. You know, I think you gave me a flashback then. I was thinking, I, I remember doing a project and getting this realization that I got the deadline wrong and it was due in the night, the night later, the day later, and I was doing it the night before. And that sheer panic and anxiety where, yeah, it, it, it's there and it stays with you. And you're kind of wondering why everyone else is, been fine with it and especially as a girl I really do think that like the girl it was one thing boys they just tended to do things more last minute they just did it I don't know why maybe they maybe they all had ADHD as well I'm not sure but with the girls they were much more organized and they were much more on time and even I remember at university behaving like one of the boys at university I would leave things last minute I would wake up two minutes before my class and like kind of race there really quickly um, I would be really sort of relaxed about a project and then I would stay up all night and do it the night before. I think you're right, the trauma, whether it's the big T or the little T traumas that just build up. And, and this is why I, I work with um, EFT. with Yes, I love that. Tapping, mm-hmm. Which is the tapping. And it's really powerful for people with ADHD because it, um, it almost does exactly the opposite of what you were talking about, you know, leaving your therapist office. Because yes, it's bringing up the things, but we are releasing them at yes. the same time. So it's, it's kind of peeling away the onion and then hopefully getting rid of that layer. So yes, we're recognizing it happened. We're seeing it for what it is. Perhaps, you know, checking on it from a different perspective. And then it kind of dissipates in in a more compassionate way and we don't hold on to that. So that's why sometimes therapy, when we're undiagnosed ADHD, can not work very well. I hear this a lot from, you know, I've been in therapy for 10 years, I've been in therapy for five years and it's not helped me. Then they get the diagnosis and then they go through more sort of ADHD specific help and support and then they're able to to clear those old stories absolutely and that was like with the coaching it wasn't adhd specific ironically but i started executing and i was like oh my goodness this is it this is what i need but you don't know until you you don't know what you don't know (laughs) so unless you expose yourself and you trust other people and even your clients when they come to you and they say How does this work? What are the results I should get? You can't guarantee anything, but unless they take that leap of faith and they put two feet in and they give it their all and work collaboratively with you, then they're not going to be able to get those results. So you sometimes just need to try new things. You need to have that connection with someone who's experienced it before and is trained and and take that leap of faith. I see this a lot and I resonate with it a lot. Do you see that people with ADHD, 
we go back to that, what you were talking about before with the emotional regulation and your client who wasn't sure whether she was ready to launch the podcast or not and all the perfectionism. There's something deep within us. I think that is, we're wired differently to if that motivation, if that like intrinsic desire to do something is not there, we physically can't do it. We find it painful to do the work that doesn't fulfill us but is there something that you see across your clients that they have to recognize what drives them oh yeah able to then move forward yeah absolutely i do um why funnel and that like very often if you're setting a goal, right, and you're doing a measurable goal, blah, 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 okay, that's all well and good. But unless you know how your values align, is this strength driven and your motivation behind it and how you're going to feel when you're done with it, it, it's really hard to get that intrinsic motivation and sustain that intrinsic motivation. Kind of like exercising. If you know you want to exercise, but you don't really know why, you just have that impulse to exercise. And then you figure out why you want to do it and you go through it. Okay, why do I want that? Why do I really want it? Why do I really want it? How am I going to feel when I, okay, I want to exercise because I'm going to feel stronger. And when I feel stronger, then I'm going to show up in all areas of my life happier and more fulfilled and feel empowered, whatever it is, right? So down the road, when you continue to exercise and three weeks in, four weeks in, Um, when you typically would quit something because you're starting to see results, then you're like, wait a second, I said I was doing this because it's going to impact all of my life. I'm going to feel happier. I'm going to feel stronger. I'm going to feel empowered. So I'm going to keep going. Even if it's five minutes, I'm going to keep going rather than giving up right now. So yes, that intrinsic motivation is so important. And the rewards that we get from that, whether they're tangible rewards or intrinsic rewards that's important as well yeah I think that was a massive takeaway for me when I got diagnosed was to be able to understand why I just didn't want to do certain things and why certain things were were driving me and I remember I had a, a point where I'd had my last child and um I stopped working in the area that I was working I used to work in PR and I used to do like quite a bit of freelance work and then after having my my last child I decided I needed some space and some time and rethink my career and have some you know space looking after my kids and, and everything but there was this chunk this I didn't know how else to describe it, like part of my soul that just felt so unfulfilled like I was very fulfilled from my family life but there was this driver this motor this relentless something that wasn't being filled And it wasn't being filled at home and it wasn't being filled by parenting and cooking and washing. And I saw all these other people, you know, juggling family life and they that filled every element. It was like they couldn't cram in anything else. And I was desperately searching for something. And that was for me was feeling fulfilled from like a, um, a career perspective and being able to help people and be of service. And I didn't. But this was way before I was coaching. This is way before I did anything in this area. And it was this weird drive that I couldn't put my finger on that I now know is linked to to the ADHD, this sort of like motor that when we've got it fine-tuned and the balance is there, it works really well because it's just enough fulfillment, it's just enough interest 
to to keep all areas of my brain happy but then the difficult part is making sure that the balance isn't tipped that I'm not doing I'm not obsessing over my work I'm not becoming a workaholic which I can do very easily or when uh, things are going crazy at home and I really have to pull back from work and I feel resentful that I have to give more of my time to my family and I'm worried about my business and again this is part of the ADHD brain especially I think as women because we've still got this family conditioning old situation that we are probably heading up the family probably I'm saying yes it's it's really hard work yeah I think um so I'm a new mom um I do have two stepsons but I just had a baby eight months ago and I have that guilt too that mom guilt it's like if I am working quote unquote too much I'm not giving enough to my daughter but then when I give a lot to my daughter what's happening to my business so figuring out even if we're like gamifying it if we could say to ourselves, if I spend X amount of time on my business, or if I spend X amount of time with my family, then I will feel fulfilled. So we have to create that for ourselves. Stephen Covey talks about um, interdependence. So if we're dependent or codependent on a thing, whether it be work or family, it's not healthy. We need to have that balance that you're talking about. So I know, you know, everyone knows about goals, but literally every January, I force myself to take every single area of my life and say, I'm going to do X in this family life. I'm going to do X with my partner. I'm going to do X with my health. I'm going to do X with um, hobbies. I'm going to do X for my business. And this way, I don't feel guilty about touching on, you know, whichever points. Could it be a struggle day to day? Yes. But I go back to my intentions and my goals and I say, okay, this is okay. I'm okay right now. Like, it's okay to stop work today at four o'clock. Not only because I have it in my goals, but I'm burnt out at four o'clock. I'm going to spend time with my family and not push myself because we know what happens when we're burnt out. So yeah, I think it's just like reminding ourselves of why we're doing certain things and being accountable to ourselves and reflecting on it day in and day out and weekly. Are we spending the times in the areas that we deserve and we want? Yeah, I think, and that's, you know, exactly why coaching is so powerful because it gives us that awareness that of intentionality. Yes. And really kind of um, digging and getting a bit curious about what it is that we, we want on a bigger scale. And like you say, you know, to, to be able to pinpoint what we want each year for the different areas of our life, I think is really, um, really powerful. And a good way of keeping that accountability of exactly like because I think sometimes we think we've not done a lot of work um because we've done lots of bitty work but actually we've done a lot of work (laughs) we've done a lot of work you just can't see it so it's 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 that's why I think coaching is brilliant and I and I love what you said you know that you help people from you know eight to eighty so you do a coach matching service is that right Mm -hmm. so if someone wants to come to you and they've got 
you know, they're single or they're a student, you yes. match them with different coaches from coaching with Brooke. Yeah. So they're all trained in my uh, 3C activation process. They're all um, have a background in coaching. Um, and my uh, student coaches all have a background in um, students, whether it be student coaching or being a teacher in special education, working with individuals with ADHD. And um, sometimes people want to work in groups. They, they're better as far as that accountability purpose. Um, so we also have group coaching for adults. So we have 3C activation, 12-week signature program. We have the healing ADHD uh, through emotional regulation work. We have maintaining momentum, which initially was, okay, you have all the skills that you need from one-on-one -on -one coaching or 3C activation. You've dug deeper, you understand your purpose and you understand what you want. And this is just literally maintaining that momentum, that accountability as we spoke, that um, support and just that ongoing support so people still feel like they are focusing on the things that they said that they wanna focus on. Um, so yeah, there's there's many different programs and services that we have and um, different coaches that meet different needs. And um, I'm, I feel blessed every day, honestly. I feel blessed that the coaches wanna stay with our company. I was looking at our seniority recently. Um, most of our coaches and staff have been with Coaching with Brooke for more than two years. Um, some of them three years. We've only been around for four years. so more than 50% have been with us for more than 50% of the time that we've been in existence. So I feel really blessed. Amazing. And I think, you know, obviously what you're doing is so needed. And um, I'm glad to be able to bring you to the podcast audience. And hopefully, you know, if anyone's listening right now, they can get in touch with you. What's the what's the best way? Is there a website that people can check out all your services? Sure. Coaching with Brooke with an e com, And everything is pretty much that social media, um, our website and yeah, just explore, see if anything resonates. If you can't afford anything or you aren't ready to uh, get coached, you can subscribe to our newsletter. You can go on our Instagram and get free tips and tools there, get that community. And Kate, it's been so nice talking to you. I feel so like emotional having gone back to my past and talk to you about how the ADHD had impacted me. I haven't even given you half of my story, but being able to go back for a second just brings up a lot of emotion. So um, thank you for bringing it there because well, thank you for share thank you for sharing it and i hope you're okay because i don't want to leave you oh no 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 i'll <laughs> too be emotional okay. about you okay. i'll just have to make fun about it, it. <laughs> just kidding <laughs> <laughs> well that's the thing isn't it but it's also really important that we understand where things come from yes. because then we I think we sometimes blame ourselves, go, why am I feeling like this again? Why does the same story or the same thing come back? And then it's like, well, actually, I'm really sensitive about this thing because I was bullied at school. And that triggers something from my childhood that I've not addressed or that's something that I've not um, healed from or that is something that I need to kind of like work on a little bit more. So sometimes when these things keep coming back, it's a bit of a reminder that we, we need to kind of heal a little 
little bit more and recognise that something we maybe thought was quite insignificant Can, is actually something um, yeah meaningful and also I, I find that like those stress responses or those feelings can also happen when we're overwhelmed too so like we might have gotten the work that we think we've needed but perhaps we need to take care of ourselves maybe our tank is depleted at this point so we need to go back to taking care of ourselves so yeah definitely yeah especially with an eight-month-old baby <laughs> you must you must need a lot of downtime and uh, yeah so I just want to thank you so much for for coming on I will make sure we get all the information on the show notes and um, yeah thank you so much Brooke thank you appreciate your time so that's today's episode done did what we talk about resonate with you I really hope you found some takeaways that may inspire you to make some small changes that enhance your daily life. And if you did find this episode insightful, please do consider sharing it. Knowledge and awareness is power, especially with ADHD. You can also head over to the show's Instagram page, which is ADHD Women's Wellbeing Pod, and join the community that's waiting for you there. And if this episode really did strike a chord, please do consider leaving us a review to enable more people who need to hear these conversations find the show. Thanks so much for joining me today and see you next time.